Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of The Thistle, the rugby podcast recently described by Stephen Jones as the Sunday Times as pure baby drivel. How are you guys doing? Uh, lovely to have you back. I am here um, with Alan. Hi guys, ready to deliver some high quality drivel as always. That's good to hear and Matt's with us as well. Hi guys, well I think it's an upgrade from execrable from last week so you know onwards and upwards. Onwards and upwards. Again, Stephen did give us a five-star review, though, so um, much like um, our good friend RBG, he says, the word on George Street is that the insight provided in this podcast could be what's changing Scottish rugby for the better. Some real Scottish rugby knowledge provided by two great Stumel lads with sideline support from David. Brackets, just like his rugby career. That is brutal. That is savage, isn't it? I think it is fair, though. And I mean, the guy, the guy Ronald has played rugby with you, and he, he knows what he's talking about. Well, I'm not entirely sure about that, but I guess the five stars will take them, we'll bank them. That's fine. Fine by us. So um, good to have you along, guys. Um, thanks a lot for following us on the ACAST podcast app and, of course, on the iTunes uh, store and on Twitter, where we're getting more and more active and into more and more fights with um, award-winning Sunday Times journalists. Um, we are going to look at our um, Thistle issues this week, um, which is going to be what did we learn from the France game at the weekend? Number two, what impact does losing Greg Laidlaw for the rest of the Six Nations have on the Scotland team? And then we're going to have a look ahead to um, the games at the weekend between Edinburgh and Leinster and Glasgow and Ulster. But as we always do, starting um, with some news at this time of year, it's always transfer related. There's been some big stuff going on. Namely, the biggest um, uh, bit of news would be Mark Bennett um, confirming his move to Edinburgh, which has been talked about a lot. Matt, what do you reckon about that? Yeah, well, I think what we talked about was either Newcastle or Edinburgh were the destinations, and I was pretty keen for him to stay in, in Scotland. So 
I, I don't think it's the best move for him, but hopefully it gets him a bit of game time and hopefully improves Edinburgh because we talked about it before that Edinburgh's pack seems you know sort of uh, capable of competing at the top, but the back line's been uh, pretty dull in terms of cutting edge. So hopefully he adds a bit. Um, so yeah, I think it's a, a bit of a statement of intent, obviously directed by the SRU as well. But you know, hopefully he he does well and gets a bit of space and can sort of um, set up what I think is quite a decent back three to score tries. Uh, yeah, but he is still going to be getting service from uh, Duncan Weir, the pudding. So, Alan, what do you, uh, what difference do you think he might make to Edinburgh? Probably not that much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Edinburgh need more than Bennett to spark their back backline. So, if it's the start of a couple of signings, then great. If it's one signing, then okay. Yeah, it is a bit of a it is a bit of a shrug if they don't back it up. But I guess um, what we learned from that uh, interview with Scott Johnson in the Sunday Times um, at the weekend was that, you know, he said that we needed to do Glasgow and get them up to speed first. So maybe it's now um, Edinburgh's turn. I mean, I think it's a pretty bad policy in any case if you've only got two teams. But maybe Edinburgh will follow that up. I heard a bit about the gossip this week actually on some of the forums that. Uh, Johan Ackerman, the South African coach who is currently in charge of the Lions, who, as I'm sure you all know, got to the finalists with um, 18, whatever it is, last year, is being lined up to take over Edinburgh, which obviously Solomon's wasn't a very successful South African, but I think that Ackerman could be a really big coup. I mean, it's just sort of gossip at the moment, but pretty promising, I think. That's very good as well, actually, because while most South African coaches deliver some of the sort of blandest rugby imaginable, e- even though, oh, what, what's his name? The South African World Cup winning coach, John White? Jake White. Jake White. Jake White. John, John's <laughs> Big John. Um, he, he, the Lions play really good rugby. Like, really, really good rugby. Probably one of the most, after sort of the Hurricanes, probably the most exciting team in Super Rugby last year. So, I mean, I, I guess, I do have... I mean, that would be such a great move for Edinburgh. Yeah, it would be absolutely awesome. Um, what else has been going on at Edinburgh? Tom Brown, re-signed, 100-cap legend Tom Brown. Um, I think he's pretty good for Edinburgh. He's not got the um, most amazing strike rate, but he's a pretty good um, stalwart. Available all year round. He's not, I don't think he's going to be knocking on the Scotland door anytime soon, so it's a good squad player to get tied up for the next two years. What do you think, Hanny? He is your best mate. He is actually Matt's best friend. So, uh, Matt, what do you think? Well, he is a friend of the pod, I'd say. So I think we should all be pretty happy about that news. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's fine. I think it's good for him to be signed on. Um, decent squad player, fair play to him. Let's get cracking. Um, what else is going on? Along the M8, um, we'll come to the people who are leaving Glasgow soon enough, um, as well as Bennett. But um, as we mentioned on the pod last week, um, Kebble, the chap, uh, Hugh Jones's flatmate from, uh, from the Stormers, has moved to Glasgow. Yeah, I think it had been signposted for a while. Um, spoke about it last week that Munster tried to sign him, and I think Ireland is a project player. So hopefully he's not sort of the, the second-rate guy. But look, looking at he's he's had about sort of 30 appearances in the Super 15. He's been a, a pretty important player for Western Province in the, in the Curry Cup. And he's got a decent little highlights package where he looks like a good scrummager. He looks pretty good in the loose. Um, and as we've seen in recent games, we, we need more scrummagers. So I'm pretty positive about it. Does he have a Scottish granny? He has no Scottish blood. He's a pure project player. So, I mean, they might change the rules to five years of residency. So he might just sort of be here for five years and then go to France or something. But we'll see. 
But what, what, what do you think South Africa think about it? He's like a promising young prop in Scotland. Just like, we will have you, so that is fine. I don't know. I, just, it's, I mean, it just seems relatively strange. They must get getting pretty pissed off about it. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it does. Maybe... Maybe he just loves Hugh Jones that much. Maybe Hugh Jones is such a good flatmate that he needed to come and uh, get a flat with him in Glasgow. Well, I, I think that's the only thing we can say about that, really. Um, but it does mean that the Glasgow starting 15 for next year is looking uh, looking really, really promising. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think a couple of people tweeted the squad, and I think Keble only adds to the sort of front row strength. So good front five. The back line, I think, we're pretty comfortable with. Hogg and Seymour signing on, Sarto, uh, Russell still there, Price... Um, and Kevel just sort of adds a bit of ballast, I think, to the likes of Gray and then Brown and um, Ferguson in the front row. So maybe another big forward would be pretty happy about that. Um, I mean, there's also the news that Hastings has signed as well, or pretty much confirmed by Todd Blackout, which I think is a really great signing. It, it looks as if Russell is going to leave at some point, so, and we need another backup 10 for Scotland. So let's get Adam Hastings playing in Scotland. Let's get him with a few more games when, when Russell's away and, and see what he can do. I think looking at that team for next year, it's just that back row that still worries me. I think against Munster and a couple of the games, sort of against, especially sort of the Irish teams, we've been a little bit battered around the breakdown. And it, Strauss is definitely going, whether he goes to Toulouse, Sale, or Newcastle is anyone's guess. But with Ryan Wilson, Harley, Gibbons from New Zealand. It's not a great back row. And there's not really like... Wilson's fine, but he's not a big strike runner. And I think they need like a big impact player to really sort of take... With that team, you're going to get to some pro 12, top four. But you're not going to be challenging in Europe with that squad. Yeah, that's the thing. I think it's not... None of those players that are left are sort of CJ standard. Not many people are a CJ standard sort of calibre, but... Look at what he's been doing for, for Munster and Ireland. Like That's the sort of player that I, I think Glasgow need to, to get themselves to that um, next level. But Alan, you touched on it. Strauss definitely leaving. Bennett, we know he's going to Edinburgh. And um, Gordy Reid, been, it's been announced that by Glasgow that he's leaving. We hear that he's off to London Irish, but that hasn't been confirmed. That's just rumours at this stage. But um, yeah, what do you make about that? Well... I actually think it's quite, I quite like Gordon Reed. He gets a hard time. And he he, he looks just like a cheeky, fat chappy. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I think at Glasgow, he's, like, the best player, one of, or one of the best players with, like, the fans. He's, like, he does a lot of, like, engagement with, like, the kids. And he's, like, a big, like, ambassador for the club. He's from Ayr. I, I think, obviously, you know, money's always a thing, but... I think it'd be quite sad for sad to see him go. I think he's he always, especially for Glasgow, he's performed really, really well. I know he's maybe not been able to reach those heights for Scotland, but but yeah, at least you know, Kevil's coming in, so at least they're not. At least they replaced him. Yeah, I think so, and hopefully, if Gordy is off to to London Irish, they are currently top of the championship, I think, and uh, by some distance, I think they'll be coming back up. So you know, it's it's a Scottish Scottish uh, Scottish guy playing in Premiership, which is a good competition. I don't I don't see a huge downside if he's getting a payday. Fair play to him. Who the hell would want to be a prop in this day and age? You might as well go and earn some money. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, I think speaking of props as well, I can't remember the guy's name, but he's a sort of Simone prop who plays quite a lot when the internationals are away, and he is moving to breathe at the end of the season. So there's definitely a obviously Cable's coming in, but I mean. 
backup props are like gold dust. So I think they're going to need to make a couple more signings there um, to shore things up. Yeah, definitely. And Strauss, I think the rumours are Sale, Toulouse, um, Newcastle as well, we've heard. So there's lots of options there. But I mean, on the back of his performance against France, I think he deserves it. I mean, it's an awesome move. I think it's actually a bit of a loss for, um, for Glasgow. But speaking of that, let's, um, let's get fired into the France game. Obviously, once again, our, uh, our Grand Slam hopes have been dashed. Um, so at least it was at the second hurdle this time rather than at the first hurdle. But um, I think, um, Matt, you can take us through what your key th- thoughts were about the France loss. Yeah, it's very disappointing, obviously. Um, it would probably be worse if we, if we played really well and lost. I don't think we actually played that well. I think we made quite a lot of mistakes. Um, I don't think we uh, kicked enough. Tactically, we didn't play enough territory, um, particularly in the second half. Um, we're playing a lot of the rugby between our own 10 and our own halfway line, and I think France were dealing with it quite easily. Um, the scrum was an absolute disaster again. Um, I think we'll come to talk about it. Um, and then I think that the injuries played a big part as well. And it wasn't just injuries to key players, it was injuries to sort of to important um, older players. Who I think when, when they went off, we lost quite a lot of leadership and, and direction. And the young guys that came on tried hard, and I thought Price did pretty well, but I think we were sort of, we, we looked a bit um, rudderless at that point. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to start with the negatives because that's sort of that's that's, that's in my that's in my blood. But I think two things. Firstly, the scrum, the front row picks. Obviously, we all want to see. We all like Fraser Brown. We all like Xander Ferguson, and we're a big fan of Alan Dale on the loose. But I think it was just tactically naive to start those three. To be fair, they got pummeled by Ireland in the first half. And everyone was saying, oh, Fra- France have got this massive pack. And I think it was six penalties and two free kicks, which in this day and age, that's like between five and ten points that you're losing right there. So I think just we could have been a bit smarter. Like, you, you know, Putin Ross forward, he does a job, he'll help solidify it. Probably Putin, Gordon Reed give a bit more weight. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I just suddenly thought about when... Um, when England were touring Australia in the summer and things weren't working, Eddie Jones was like, right, fine, 25 minutes in, who cares? I'm going to hook, um, who was it? Luther Burrell, I'm going to hook um, Harrison, uh, Taman Harrison. I mean, if Cotter was maybe a bit more ruthless, which I think he is, then he would have said, Ferguson's getting killed again, let's get on Reed. let's maybe give Bergen a shot. Um, I mean, I, I made me think that Ferguson, although he's done okay, he's done well in the, in the loose and he's a really promising player. I don't want to knock his confidence, but maybe sending him back to Glasgow, just giving him a bit more scrummaging time because that's all it is. It's just experience and a bit more about technique maybe. Um, well, I don't know about that. I don't know if we've got the luxury in terms of numbers and quality to, to send a guy like uh, Ferguson back to, to Glasgow. I get, I get your point, but I think if he's going to continue getting battered in the scrum, he might as well get battered in the scrum for Scotland. <laughs> Yeah, but he might as well. He might as well get battered in the second half <laughs> when people are slightly weaker. Um, but no, I, I think the the additional thing that slightly annoyed me was I, I think people have been giving Finn Russell's been getting a hard time, and some of it justified, some of it's not justified. Um, he is a player that tries things, and sometimes they're going to come off, and sometimes they're not going to come off. The thing that annoyed me was sort of in the lead up, everyone was saying. We need to play sort of quick and loose rugby. We need to stay away from their big pack. 
And when we were watching the game, Finn Russell didn't touch the ball in open play till the 12th minute. Basically, the first sort of 10 to 15 moves were Laidlaw passing one out ball to forwards. And we just, we were, just were not making ground. I think when you look at the forward stats, apart from Strauss, basically every forward either made about an average of a metre per run, or I think some of them had sort of negative stats. And it just sort of surprised me because I think there, there, is, a, there is an issue there where at Glasgow, Finn Russell is the main man. And when it comes to Scotland, Laidlaw is the main man. And I, I think that for us to beat a team like France, we, need, we needed Russell to be at the forefront. And I know Laidlaw only played 35 minutes, but I think that does just affect the way the team is sort of set up. I, I completely agree. Um, I'm going to come back to Finn, but I think just a, a couple of positives for me based on that, that, running, um, that running point you made. I think Strauss was absolutely massive, and I think that was his best game he'd had in the Scotland jersey for a long, for a long, long time, which I thought was really, really positive. Another positive I thought was, despite everything, despite all of the injuries and despite the scrum getting absolutely battered, I thought it was an awesome performance in terms of just hanging on. We were in the game for 80 minutes, or at least 75, before it kind of got away from us right at the end. And I think that is real testament to where this Scotland team is, because I think years over the last 10 years, we would have capitulated by halftime and ended up losing by 15 to 20 to a France team of this caliber. And I thought that was really, really impressive. I thought Richie Gray's um, um, improvement continued, absolutely leaps and bounds. I thought he was better than Johnny again. Um, offering so much in the loose, solid in the line out. Um, and I think when he was carrying, he was making yards, or at least it seemed to be to be that. But I, I guess my negative would would be Finn, and I think it was completely exacerbated by Laidlaw getting injured. Um, I was just it was such a frustrating game when we needed to play territory and we needed to do um, play the game in the right right parts of the field. And Finn was just doing sort of it's really like amazing stuff, like his little offload to Seymour, which led to the try at the beginning of the second half, but then the, the much-fated sort of um, conversion. And then about five minutes later, the, the dropout that went straight into, the restart that went straight into touch. Like, who is Finn Russell? Like, he is this completely maverick guy, and I just think as soon as Laidlaw is off the park, we don't have like the luxury of having a completely loose cannon at 10. Yeah, I kind of it's a difficult one though, isn't it? Because he is mercurial and if you take away that sort of side of his game and try and make him play more conservative, then he's not going to, to try stuff. Um I think we'll probably come on to it with our, our second issue about Laidlaw, but I mean I, I suppose that if you have Price on there and you have Russell, then arguably there that's their Glasgow partnership and it should actually work far better than a than a Laidlaw Russell. Yeah, I am I'm gonna call you on shit, Dave. Because... You know, Russell's not like a lost boy who's just like ended up on a rugby pitch and needs to be like directed around. He's a 25 cap Scotland player and a plus 100 cap Glasgow player. Like he yeah, he 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 does make mistakes, but I think he he needs to be the main man. I think he's got the talent to be the main man. And whilst but maybe just the way Scotland play, because it's, it's built a lot around Laidlaw, it doesn't give him the opportunity to sort of take, take the lead. I don't know. Sorry about that. That's a bit harsh. That's all right. That's all right. But do you think... Let me, let me put this one to you guys then. So do you think Scotland should fundamentally alter their game plan um, for the game against Wales to play that faster pace, 
high-tempo game that Ali Price and Finn Russell like to play at Glasgow? Um, once again, we'll talk about it. But I, I actually think that in the Ireland game and what Scotland were trying to do against France was play a high-tempo game. So I actually don't think that the, the game plan will change very much. I think what Price would give you is a lot more danger from the base. And you saw even in his cameo, he, he was, I think, behind Hogg and maybe Maitland, the most metres made with a couple of sort of sniping breaks. So you maybe get that dimension. And you maybe, w- within that, you're allowed to sort of, you can bring in the likes of, of Gray and, and Strauss if he's fit in, into holes because defenders are worried about price. Well, it took us 18 and a half minutes, but we've mentioned him. Stuart Hogg, I thought he had a pretty ordinary game, apart from his try. His defence in particular is what I want to talk about. He misses one-on-one tackles quite a lot and that is not good enough for somebody who's claiming to be the best fullback in Europe yeah I know we, we talked about it last week and I know it, it is tough sort of Fuku's like a big strong runner and he's sort of going straight at you but it, he, he just had to do more in that situation even if you're not stopping him before the trial line you've got to try and get underneath the ball and it, it just did, didn't seem like there was much there also I don't know I think Hogg seems to be trying to do a bit too much. He's he's sort of trying to take too much sort of responsibility on. I think maybe just because he and it was maybe part of the game with Laidlaw going off, trying to take more of a leadership role, getting frustrated with the lack of sort of ball that Scotland had. Did he did he miss a kick at goal as well? A long one, yeah, he missed a long kick, and I I think that was actually a perfect example of trying too hard in terms of him. He just basically kicked the ball. Too hard. Um, but I think apart from his defence, though, I think he played really well. He got the most metres in the whole game. got 85 metres um, from not too many carries. I thought his, his kicking out of hand, he, he was absolutely nailing a few spirals. Um, but no, I, I agree that the defence is a bit of a, a, bit of a worry. Um, I think he can make the tackles. He's just really quite inconsistent in his actual application of them. Um, and if Gatlin maybe wants a bit more of a conservative choice, then that could definitely count against him. Yeah, I guess, I don't know, the Fiku one, which obviously was a try, is almost an impossible place to defend from. But Hogg ended up on the outside of him when he should have been marshalling him towards touch. He should have done more. He was on. He was between the five and the touchline. There is an argument to say that a good hit and he might have got a trailing leg into touch or something like that. But he got himself completely muddled. He was all over the place and you know it was a try. Like I don't think there's a lot of people that would have made that tackle, but he's got to do a bit more. Yeah, no, I agree. I'd like to bring some positives, because there was positives. Yeah. I, feel, I feel I've been sort of immensely negative so far for the first 10 minutes. Um, Hamish Watson, it's my man crush. <laughs> Absolutely love him. He is, uh, he is a bit of a hunk, isn't he? Yeah, he is a good-looking man. Um, well, he's, he's actually not that much of a good-looking but he, <laughs> <laughs> he's a hunk. Uh, Josh Strauss, great game. I think he was sort of him and Watts, well, Strauss specifically was really, he, he, he does enjoy those big physical confrontations and I think he, he was really up for it and he is just adding uh, zeros to the ne- his next contract at the moment because uh, everyone's watching these games and he keeps sort of standing out. And then Dunbar um, had a really good game. I think he just adds a bit of sort of back row dynamism to that. He he he, he almost could play back row. He's so um, physical at the breakdown. Although he, he doesn't seem to be getting much ball in his hands. I haven't really seen him in attack at all. I know all the sort of positives of him are in defence. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, another person I don't think is getting enough ball is 
and it's for two games now in a row, is Tommy Seymour. That he's not getting nearly enough ball, but when he does, he makes things happen. His sort of like his assist or sort of big, big moment to, to touch ratio is amazing. Like he touched the ball once, did a nice little chip, gathered and obviously set up the try. Um, so I think we need to find a way to get him more into the game. You know, whether that's sort of running in behind the centres from Russell or from the nine, which he's, he's really good at. Um, but that's a bit disappointing. I thought the same happened against, uh, against Ireland. Actually, that just, this Seymour thing just reminded me. So it's not been talked about that much in the press, but with Finn Russell missing that kick... The, the chat was that it was Nathan Hines, not the referee, who was rushing Finn Russell. And the reason he was rushing him was because Seymour did slightly push Scott Spedding when they were going for the ball. And supposedly Scott Spedding was shouting at the ref. And they were worried it was going to go to the TMO. But if you get the conversion over, then they can't go to the TMO. And you saw Finn Russell, sort of, the moment he missed that conversion, he sort of chucked the tee at Nathan Hines and looked like he wanted to fucking kill him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, I think... People- imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. We talk about that conversion. I I don't think it would have changed very much. Although if we had kicked all our goals, we would have won the game. So it's it's I don't know. So maybe it is important then. <laughs> um, I think what have we got to say? I think obviously huge huge attrition rate and the injuries. Um, we're going to come on and do a bit of a session on Laidlaw. Um, Strauss, we hear was actually ended up in A&E that night, did some damage to his kidneys because of some of the impacts he was taking, which is um, which is pretty awful. So get well soon uh, to Josh, John Barkley, head and shoulder. Um, hear that he's actually doing okay, outside shot of making it back for Wales. Um, John Hardy, um, don't really know, but he looked like he was on another planet when he came off, so... Um, hopefully he's come down and he's uh, feeling a bit better. Um, but obviously the big one, which has been confirmed, he's out for the rest of the um, the tournament. So issue two, um, what impact does losing uh, Greg Laidlaw have? Let's just start. We put this out on Twitter just before we came on air and we got, got loads of responses. One of them was from um, Kyle Trainer, Scotland cap, um, former Edinburgh player down at Bristol at the moment. Um, he just puts in one word, Huge. So, Matt, why don't you set us off on Greg? Um, yeah, I think it is a really big loss. I think that um, 
his his technical ability is underrated, but I think what he really brings to the team is that he is the captain. He brings that leadership. I think he brings the the direction um, and the control over things. We talked about he's sort of the main decision maker, and I, I really think that is the case. Um, I think when he went off, and admittedly there were other injuries as well, um, that the team did look sort of a bit bereft of ideas in terms of where to play the game, in terms of um, decisions that um, the team actually had to make in terms of, you know, as I say, where to play the game. Um, so I think he's a really big loss. And I think the goal kicking is really important because I think, you know, his range isn't massive, but his consistency is so big. And I'm sure that Russell and Hogg could kick those goals. But I think when it comes to the actual, in the heat of the battle and the, the big game moments that, that Laidlaw sort of has that ability to convert. Here comes Greg Laidlaw's number one fan, Alan Little, with the um, argument for the prosecution. Yeah, it's going to be a really big impact on the team. <laughs> no, no, I mean, it will. It will. I mean, yeah, the, the lost boys of Bears Day are not going to be able to play without their captain, their captain Laidlaw at the helm. It, I mean, look, look at it. Look at it two ways. Yeah, it is a loss. He's his kicking is probably the best in the world at international level. I think he's sort of ahead of Halfpenny and Farrell. But I, I think it's. I think it's going to be an opportunity. I think we know Laidlaw's probably not going to be around past this year. It looks like Price and Russell's going to be sort of the team going forward, and I think it sort of does give. Scotland the opportunity to sort of play slightly differently um, and you know what it, it's not like this This team doesn't have experienced people you know Rich Mc, Richie Gray playing out of his skin and he's plus 60 caps jo, uh, Johnny Gray's captain of Glasgow Strauss's captain of Glasgow Stuart Hogg's hit 50 caps Dunbar you know has played a lot a lot of games and I think if this team isn't able to play with Laidlaw without Laidlaw then that is uh, it's a problem to do with management because they should have had, like you know with New Zealand where they've got their senior leadership team, there needs to be something in place because, you know, Laidlaw will get injured at times. I, I'm gonna, I think it's going to be fine. I think it is a loss, but I don't think it's going to be that big a loss for us. I I think I'm a little bit column A, column B. I think the management that Laidlaw brings to Scotland is, is really, really underrated. Like, and I think when he went off, obviously we were under the cosh a bit. We needed somebody to marshal us around the pitch. Finn was doing his thing, you know, trying to make too many things happen. Hogg was going for 60-meter kicks, which he definitely misses more often than not. Um, and he always seems to go for them at critical moments and miss them. So I actually, as a side note... I really don't like it when Hogg kicks it from over 50 metres because I never feel any confidence in him. Um, but I'm really excited by Ali Price. I'm, you guys know that I'm a huge, huge fan of him, but I don't know. I just think against Wales, we're going to be at home. I think it's going to be an area. We're going to need to play it in, in, in good areas of the field. And I don't know, just on that second half, we were completely listless without Greg. And I, I'm, I'm, having my, I'm having my doubts. I'm having a wobble. I'm having a Finn Russell wobble. The only good thing, though, is Wales... Are, I'm completely going off the point with Laidlaw, but Wales don't have a particularly strong front five, which should help us. Out of all the ho home nations, anyway, they, I mean, in comparison to Ireland, England and France, they're, very, they're definitely weaker. So hopefully, without that issue, especially sort of the set piece, we'll have sort of a much better ball because, you know, you don't want Price coming in and having to deal with 
shit the whole time. Because to be fair, that what he did have to deal with a lot of shit at the weekend. Um, but yeah, we'll see. It's you know, Laidlaw does certain things probably the best in the world, and you know my opinion on the other things. I don't. There's other things that I don't think he does well at all. Um, but I do get I do get the point that he is a senior player. He is captain, and Vern Cotter obviously, absolutely has, has a lot of faith faith in him. So who is the next Scotland captain then? John Barkley got given the armband, and then before he got his head knock, uh, Johnny Gray stepping up to the plate. Do you think? Yeah, I think that makes the most sort of logical sense. He's been captain of Glasgow, co-captain for for the last year. Um, he's played all the games, played a lot of games for Scotland, and he seems to in terms of his actions on the field, take a leadership role. So I think I think that would make sense. We done with Laidlaw? Should we smash a little quiz or is there anything else you want to bring? I just want to say one more thing that I think we're going to lose to Wales, we're going to lose to England, we'll probably beat Italy, but a lot of it will come down to not having Laidlaw and that will be the write-up. This guy's a Negatron, isn't he? You are an Egatron. And actually, that's a really big deal as well because if we don't either get one win and one draw, we drop out of the top eight for the World Cup rankings. Um, I'm going to say echo what I said this week with uh, Jim Hamilton on the Rugby Pod. If you haven't heard that, get onto the Rugby Pods. We had a little bit of a cameo there. I think we're going to beat Wales. I think they are going to struggle to get their, themselves up to the same level they had um, at the Millennium uh, this weekend against England. On a more important point, I heard in the rugby pod that you bleached you bleach your asshole for Valentine's Day. Anything? What are you and Elsa up to, mate? What's going on? It was, it was mere speculation. <laughs> it's not just Valentine's Day, mate. That's a, that's a weekly affair. Well, isn't this banter? One of the things we're up, was it in the Scott Johnson article that at the moment, obviously this is going to change next year, but Scott Johnson earns more than any Scotland rugby player at the moment because he's on a quarter of a million. Yeah, well, I read that, but I, I've heard that Hogs on over three hundred. Whether that's including sort of incentives and things like that, but I thought that was his new contract. Oh, maybe that is his new contract. So the, this is the thing: is that this this year Scott Johnson earns more than any other players, but next year he's going to earn less than Stuart Hogg and Johnny Gray. And what a great what uh, what a great investment! His the investment, as in Scott Johnson's own words, the investment speaks for itself. You know, his results speak for themselves. So thanks very much. For the 29% win rate, Scott. Thank you very much. Um, let's move on from that. Get well soon, Greg. Um, down in Gloucester, hope they're looking after you. Um, Alan's going to lead us through a bit of a quiz. Yeah, so I think because we're having a few mic issues, let me just run through all five of the questions and then we'll go through the answers, okay? That sounds like a good idea, Alan. We should let you guys know we are a bit stunted today. We've only got one mic because one broke, the other one's broke before we started, but we're committed to you guys. So here we go. Scottish rugby quiz. Cool. Right. We're doing a, a mix of weight slash place of birth quiz. So to kick things off, who is heavier, Gordon Reed or Johnny Gray? Cool. Number two, who was born closer to Edinburgh? <laughs> Hugh Blake or John Hardy? Number three, who is heavier, Matt Scott or John Barkley? 
source being Scottish Rugby website. And number four, number four, who was born closer to Edinburgh, Tim Visser or Hamish Watson? Oh, that's that's really really good. <laughs> and the last question is, who's heavier, Alan Dell or Tim Visser? I think I'm going to go for the double vis at the end of that, to be honest. Have you seen Alan Dell? He's a disgrace to props. He looks, his rig is far too good to be a prop. In, I mean, he is literally the polar opposite of Chunk. Yeah, yeah. The good names of, um, of Chunk and Gordon McElwam and uh, Gordy Reed and Tom Smith, they're great, their proper prop bodies are being put to, put to shame by Alan Dell and his working out. Yeah. So let's start. So first one, we've got... Gordy Reed or Johnny Gray? Who's heavier? I went for Johnny Gray. I also went for Johnny Gray. You're both correct. 124 kilograms for Johnny Gray and 119 kilograms for Gordon Reed. Richie Gray being heaviest at 126. That is. So what? What was the prop for France? 150. So he's 30. He's got 30 kilos on Richie Gray. <laughs> Right, who was born closer to Edinburgh? John Hardy or Hugh Blake? I think Hardy was born right at the bottom of New Zealand, I think. And I think Hugh Blake is a bit further north, so I'm going to go for Hugh Blake. I've gone for Blake as well, because I think Hardy's from Invercargill, isn't he? Yeah, he's from something like Lambeth, which is... Maybe not Lambeth, that's in London, but... uh, Somewhere similar to that. Yes, you're both great. Uh, Hugh Blake's from Tauranga. I think he went to like Hamilton Boys. Um, good, two, two for two. Um, so who is heavier, Matt Scott or John Barkley? John Barkley. I've also gone for John Barkley. Come on. It is Matt Scott. Oh, oh, really? Matt Scott's 108 kilograms and Barkley on the Scottish Rugby website is down as 102 John, mate, you need to get in the gym. I'm nearly heavier than John Barkley. <laughs> and you're in prime physical condition as well. That is true. That is true. Um, so, two for two. Fourth one. Who is closer to Edinburgh? Who was born closer to Edinburgh? Hamish Watson or Tim Visser? Well, I, I know what, Watson came through the Leicester Academy, so I presume he's born near near the sort of Midlands way. And Visser's obviously Dutch, but... I, <laughs> I don't know if my geography is really being tested here, but I've gone for Hamish Watson. I've gone for Tim Visser. Tim Visser was obviously born in the Netherlands, and Hamish Watson was born in New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's born in, uh, I think it's Lower Hutt, uh, which is near Wellington. I thought he was born in the Midlands as well, but I, was, <laughs> I, was just, really, I just really thought Amsterdam might be closer to Edinburgh. <laughs> 3-2 to Dave. Here we go. Final question. So, who is heavier, Timbo, Visser, or Alan Dell? Dell's too lean. Surely it's Timboy. Well, I, I can only, if I'm right then, if I put Dell and I'm right then I draw. So I put, I put Dell just to make it interesting, but I think it is Visser. So Visser comes in at 110 kilograms. Allendale is 106. Oh, yes. So, Timbo Visser is carrying four kgs more than Allendale. 
Let's get him in the front row. How is Alan Dell meant to take on a 150-kilogram beast with 106 kilograms? Did, did you see Antonio's belly, though, when he was scrummaging? <laughs> absolute, to be fair, it was an absolute disgrace, but that is what a prop should look like. Should not have a six-pack like Alan Dell. He needs to put some mass on. Some, he needs to do a dirty bulk. Yeah, I also I think I challenge anyone to be lean at 150 kgs. That would be that would be some some effort. So two two visers right at the end there. Yeah. You might say he was the cornerstone of this quiz. <laughs> and with that delightful segue, we can talk about um, our discount um, with Cornerstone Razor, the best uh, razor as voted for by GQ. Uh, get on their website. You get a premium engraved shaft with your initials on it. I've gone for DJL, it looks really good. Um, so for just four quid, you get the shaft with your initials, you get six uh, blades delivered to your door. Um, so yeah, go for it, it's really, really good. Um, Alan, you've been cornerstoning, you're looking very sharp indeed. Uh, yes, I am, it's a, it's a very good razor. And obviously our fans love us because we've made zero revenue. <laughs> yeah, so nice guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so let's let's get on get onto the Cornerstone website and uh, use the Thistle discount code at checkout. So we don't do it for the money, though. Obviously, we don't do it for money. We obviously do it, obviously do it for the love of our fans. But we would like to pay back for the mics. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, right. So final issue is just very quickly having a look ahead to um, the Pro Twelve at the weekend, which is going to try and fill the rugby void left by the, um, the Six Nations. Um, Alan, Edinburgh have um, made five changes to their side uh, to play Leinster. What do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all right, I guess. I mean, I think, again, back row is relatively strong. So Bradbury, Dupree, Ritchie. You've still got Mackenzie and Toulis in the second row. Outside of that, there's not... Too much. Duncan Ware's interestingly been brought back into the squad. What? Why are you laughing? His name's Duncan Weir or the pudding. <laughs> Who is Duncan Ware? <laughs> it's fine. All right. It's 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 a different way people talk. Um. Anyway, <laughs> it's yeah. So he's been brought back in. So obviously they thought he needed a bit more uh, game time. And so sort of, uh, Sam Hidalgo Klein at nine. I was sort of interested. He's sort of the lost, a bit of a lost man of Scottish rugby, sort of came on the scene two years ago, sort of heralded as this sort of like young, exciting nine, and what, probably fourth or fifth pick now at Scottish level? Yeah, I think it's a bit of a shame. Uh, he's definitely been usurped by Ali Price, he's sort of come out of nowhere. Um, I think when he's at his best, he is a far better player than Kennedy, but to be fair to Kennedy, Kennedy has been playing better than him. Um, He's probably, he's a different player to Pergos, but probably kind of at his best is similar in terms of third, maybe second um, in line. Um, so hopefully he gets a, a bit of a run of form. He's still, he's still young. I definitely think he's sort of, he's in that Ali Price mold in terms of a, a sort of sniping scrum half. He can goal kick as well. He's got a lot of skills. So uh, hopefully he has a good game. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's okay. I, I was a little bit disappointed with the Edinburgh result against Ulster. Ulster obviously, last weekend, Ulster obviously a pretty decent side, but you know, Edinburgh don't lose as many people to uh, the Scotland squad as other play- other teams in the Pro 12 uh, do. Um, so I-, I just feel that they should be doing better in these uh, in these sort of uh, the fallow weeks and things like that. Hopefully a little bit of game time uh, for Duncan Weir completely changes his ability to play rugby. 
and he gets much better, so that would be nice. Um, but yeah, I, I, ho- I hope they win. I, I can't say, is it, are they playing at home or away to, to Leinster? They are playing away at the RDS. So. Okay, well I think Leinster will almost certainly win then. Anyone heard of this replacement prop, Derek Apaya? I don't know much about him, but I think he's like a, he's like a medical joker short-term cover. I think they got from Worcester Warriors, um, but I know absolutely nothing about him. I think when you're a prop, you can just sort of, you'll get a game anywhere, just if you can anchor up a scrum. Um, so I think that's the only reason he's been signed, um, but I don't know anything about him. I think Edinburgh have a history of signing these medical joker props. What, oh, what's that guy called? Little Italian guy. No, 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 remember the Argentinian prop? It was uh, Felipe Aragui. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Who literally just smiled the whole time he was on the pitch. Just like, didn't matter if he'd just been like smashed, just like chuckled off. But yeah, you know, fair play. I mean, I've just gooed him and he looks like an absolute tank. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at this photo. The guy's absolutely massive. He'll definitely, he, he should be able to anchor a scrum if he can. I mean, in this photo, <laughs> in this photo, he looks about 140 kg. He looks absolutely massive. Well, hopefully, yeah, hopefully he comes out, uh, comes out, comes good for Edinburgh. Um, and uh, Glasgow are playing against Ulster, and they lost the Scarlets last week. That was a pretty poor result, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, Glasgow just gets so shafted by... It's something actually we should probably talk about in another pod, but I just don't think the Pro 12 can handle playing on the same weekends as... The Six Nations, or was it? I think Glasgow were like 13 players away. Well, is it not? I think, with maybe the exception of last week, that in um, England they play the Anglo Welsh Cup during the first couple of games of the Six Nations. So maybe you just need a rest week. There's not that many games in the Pro 12. Like, um, but yeah, I just think that it sort of adds to the argument of the Pro 12 not being that good a league because when the internationals go away, the drop off is far bigger than it is in the Aviva Premiership. Yeah, that's true. I think it's the teams are as good at the top end are as good as anyone, but the competition is just not that um, good. DTH uh, Van der Merwer coming back and um, punishing uh, Glasgow. Shame to see. And tw- great to see 22-year-old Brian getting a game for Glasgow last weekend as well. He is so young, so talented. Great to see. So they, I think Edinburgh playing on Friday, so that's why they announced the team, but Glasgow haven't announced their team yet. Um, just another question I thought I had this week. It would be interesting to see the Glasgow team because there's, there's potentially an argument or there's potentially a chance that Scotland will play Pergos instead of Price at nine, which I don't know what you guys think about, but it could be an option in terms of he's probably a bit more of a... He controls the game probably a bit more, a bit more of a conservative player. So it would be interesting to see what the Glasgow team looks like. I, I doubt that would be the case, but it's potentially something that could happen. I would be very disappointed if Scotland regressed to picking Burgos again. I think Price has done f- more than enough to show that he is Laidlaw's natural backup. I get the point about him being a more controlling player, but I think we need to, ju- we need to embrace Price and, and, and empower him in that role and tell him and Finn, listen, this is your show. You've been doing it for Glasgow, and I step up and do it for Scotland. All right, mate. You love Price. <laughs> I do. He's really good at bottle flipping as well on Instagram. That is true. That was class. Um, no, it's interesting with Henry Pergos. I think at the start of this year, I was chatting about him starting ahead of Laidlaw for Scotland. And Price has obviously just come on so much 
the season has that really knocked Pergos from sort of that starting berth. Um, but yeah, no, I think Glasgow, talking about Glasgow against Scarlets last week, sort of uh, Greg, Greg, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, he, he, had a, he had a good game. And actually, I know he's just had a contract extension. I actually think he's a really, really, actually a really good player, especially sort of for these, for these sort of games. Um, and Glasgow just need to watch out because obviously Scarlets um, beat them and obviously jumped ahead of them to go into the top four of the Pro 12. And what you don't want is sort of a battered Scottish team coming back to Glasgow and Edinburgh in a month's time. Glasgow sort of languishing sixth or seventh. And then also at the same time, they've got a European campaign that's probably going to be their main focus going into sort of March and April, which say we've got tickets for Glasgow Saracens. Yeah, we do. Looking forward to that one. So we're going to be at, uh, at Allianz Park on... Uh, it's April 1, April 1st, isn't it? Is that April Fool's Day? Ooh, April Fool's Day. How exciting. Um, yeah, so we're going to be there. It's going to be massive. I heard today that Glasgow have um, filled their whole allocation. So that's 3,750 Glasgow, travelling Glasgow Warriors fans. Absolutely awesome. Um, I think we'll come back to that at a later date. Unless there's anything else, lads, should we um, call it a day? No, I'm good. Good stuff. Right, well, thanks very much for joining us. Follow us, as always, on ACAST Podcast app. Uh, get yourself onto iTunes. Leave us a review, uh, and we'll read it out um, next week. And um, on Twitter as well, at Thistle Rugby Pod. See who we can get into a fight with this week. Um, but for another week, that's uh, goodbye from me. Goodbye, and uh, hello to Stephen Jones. Goodbye. 